Social media lit up with news that Kershaw was about to sign a record contract extension to remain in Los Angeles. I'd been in sports reporting long enough to know that if there were any truth to that rumor, the last thing he'd want to do was meet a journalist for lunch. As I thought about cutting my losses and hopping on the next flight home, my phone buzzed with a text message. It was Kershaw. Why don't you come by our house around three tomorrow if that works? He asked me. It did. The extension talk must have just been another false alarm in a season full of them. The Dodgers had made no secret of wanting to lock up their star-starting pitcher in blue forever. But negotiations early in the season had gotten weird, and the two sides had been locked in a standstill for months. When I arrived at Kershaw's house at three the following day, he apologized for my having to park a block away. He and Ellen had just purchased a home across the street from an elementary school, and he forgot that he told me to come around pickup time when minivans and SUVs snarled his street. The traffic added an extra minute to my trip. I thought I'd find the Kershaw residence by scanning the block for the biggest, stately pile. But the two-story colonial-style home that wound up being theirs was the same size as every other house that flanked it. He and Ellen had met at a school they attended just around the corner as eighth-graders. I rang the doorbell. Kershaw opened the front door wearing a backward navy blue baseball cap, a brown T-shirt, black basketball shorts, and flip-flops. His playoff beard was long gone. His eyes looked bluer than the last time I saw him, too, after the final game of the Dodgers season in St. Louis, when defeat bled into them and turned them reddish-gray. The first thing I noticed when I stepped inside his house was the ping-pong table just to the left of the entryway. I told Ellen she could get whatever furniture she wanted within reason, if she just let me have my ping-pong table, he said. He showed me what Ellen had given him for Christmas, a tiny contraption that launched ping-pong balls toward him like a pitching machine, so he didn't need a second person to play. Who needs friends, he said with a laugh. Then he grabbed a picture book of all his memorable moments from 2013 that Dodgers team photographer John Suhu put together, another present from Ellen. The book ended as abruptly as the season had. Its last page showed snaps from his division series clinching win over the Braves. There was no photographic evidence of the St. Louis series. We walked into the kitchen. He offered me a bottle of water and asked if I was hungry. A half dozen bananas and a vanilla frosted bunt cake sat on the counter undisturbed. Ellen had just left to run errands, so we were in the house alone. I told him that if he needed to kick me out so he could go sign a contract for half a billion dollars, he should feel free to do so. He laughed and shook his head. Yeah, he said, tossing me a bottle of water and opening one for himself. A lot of rumors, huh? We sat down. Thirty seconds later, his cell phone rattled against the kitchen table. He looked down at it and frowned. Hmm, it's my agent, he said, 
actually do need to take this. He answered, without getting up from the table. Casey Close spoke from the other end of the line. Congratulations, they met our terms, Close said. Kershaw scratched the top of his head with his right hand and smiled. Close told him that there was still some paperwork to sign, but that it was just a formality. After twelve months of negotiating, his mammoth contract extension was finally complete. It's done, man, Close said. Kershaw nodded and thanked him. It'll probably leak in the next twenty minutes, said Close. But just wait until after the Dodgers announce it on Friday to comment. Kershaw thanked him again. The conversation lasted less than three minutes. Kershaw took a deep breath and hung up the phone. The room.